As a rule, if you hate going to work every day, it may be time. If you hate going to work and your co-workers don't respect you, hey, dummy. it may be time. If you hate going to work, your co-workers don't respect hey, you, dummy. and you always wish you were somewhere else, it may be time. If you hate going to work, your co-workers don't respect hey, you, dummy. you wish you were somewhere else, and you cry constantly, it may be time. And it since Terry's been with us, our productivity has gone up 46%. Hey, buddy. Break was over 15 minutes ago, Max! We're getting more from our employees than ever before. You know you need a cover sheet on your TPS reports, Richard! That ain't new, baby! Hey, Terry. Hey, Janice! But what's really impressed me is how Terry's become part of the Felcher family. How did you get high, baby? He fits right in here. That's a long distance call, Doug! As a rule, if you hate going to work every day, it may be time. If you hate going to work. Definitely something is up, and so what do we need to do? And it may not be necessarily a change of employment. Uh, there may be something that needs to change in ourselves. A uh, very sad graph that Barna came out with uh, just recently says this, how many people frequently fulfilled, feel fulfilled at work, and out of all adults surveyed, only 33% felt fulfilled. So that means 67% of us do not feel fulfilled, and that's uh, kind of a sad place to be. We continue on in our series, This Is Us. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about how God can guide us, help us to define or speak into our relationships, family, friends, and also what we find ourselves in at work. And so, again, if 67% of us just are not feeling fulfilled, uh, that, that is a problem. And uh, you notice that we're talking about, I was made for Mondays. And really, there's kind of a uh, distance there. Some of us say, yeah, I was made for Mondays. That means I was made for my job. Or as we joked around last week, as I gave you a little teaser, you know, you can take this job and, you know, the song. And uh, so there's these two extreme swings. Uh, so what do we do with that? It's interesting that they uh, did a survey on Twitter and uh, happiness by weekday based on Twitter sentiments. And we see that Sunday is good and then Monday it just drops down and slowly starts building its way up until you get to the end of the week. And a lot of us will say to each other, Happy Friday! Because it's Friday and the weekend's coming. For me, it's never Happy Friday because I'm getting ready for Sunday. It's kind of Happy Monday, I guess. But uh, again, this idea of being satisfied with work. And uh, some of us growing up in the 80s might remember this song that talked about all about the weekend. Well, if you grew up listening to the music in the 80s, and our next guest was part of the soundtrack of your childhood, Mike Reno, the lead singer for Loverboy, that band playing tonight at Saquon Casino in El Cajon. Mike, welcome. It was, it's so great to have you. I was so excited when I found out you were coming in. Thank you, thank you. I just, love it when they show videos from 40 years ago. I was it's just not fair. Laughing. You were laughing as we came back from the break, and you were watching that. What was going through your mind? Well, you know, I looked like one of my kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
It's like 40 years ago. What does 40 years do to people? You know, at least I got hair. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> so the idea of living for the weekend, that's kind of instilled in us that the work week stinks and the weekend is where it is at. But as we think about this is us and we think about processing through that, it's the idea that we should uh, get beyond that, that it shouldn't be that way. That wasn't God's intent when this thing came of work came on the horizon. We'll talk about that in a couple minutes. So uh, this week, uh, we're getting ready to start to wrap up our series. Next week will be our last uh, time with This Is Us. And so if you're joining us uh, for the first time, uh, you can catch up with that online. Uh, if you're joining us online, uh, same thing. And a uh, special shout out to Kim Ray, uh, if you're listening. Uh, via the audio, SoundCloud. Uh, this was Kim Ray's first week beginning back to getting some cancer treatment, and uh, we're really praying for her. So uh, she text messaged me yesterday and said that towards the end of the week, things got a lot better, but in the middle, uh, things were really hard. So as we think about work and we think about living in this world, uh, we were made for much more than just surviving our work week. We were made to thrive in it. And what if we could all move to a place that we actually discovered that we were made for Mondays? And Sunday night, as you think about Monday, there was actually a little bit of anticipation rather than a lot of dread. So how do we, how do we get there? And this may seem a little bit uh, hard to believe, but uh, God designed work as a gift. Work is a gift for us, but again, as I've mentioned earlier, there seems to be this gap between work and reality. Those graphs speak to that. Uh, we speak to that. We're looking for the weekend. Uh, statistics, they say the average person who uh, shows up on Monday for work, first of all, they said 50% of most employees are late on Monday because they just don't want to be there. And then they said usually by around 11, I think it was actually 11.44, the average person actually cracks a smile at work. So what is this gap? What is going on here when work is supposed to be fulfilling, joyful, life-giving, but the reality is for many of us, majority of us, it's hard, it's frustrating, it's exhausting. And so how do we lessen that gap, especially if we were made to work, if God intended it as a gift, how do we move from dreading Mondays to thinking, man, I was made for this. Uh, we go back all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. We read, God blessed them and said to them, this is Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. And this idea is that this was a blessing overview, rule over them, tend to the garden. Uh, down in verse uh, 15 of chapter 2, we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to enjoy an all-exclusive resort. Does it really say that? No, it does not say that. But in some way, we think that that's the way it was. Really, what this is what said, it said, work and take care of it. And for those of us who understand a little bit more about uh, 
Genesis and what's going on. There's this thing called the fall. We'll read about that in just a few moments where Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into the garden and uh, it was not the place that it was beforehand with Adam and Eve. They leave the garden. But before that, when everything was perfect, a part of perfection was this idea that Adam and Eve would work and tend the garden. Now, uh, this is something that uh, was a little interesting to me, and I had to check it in a number of places because I hadn't really heard this before. And uh, sometimes when I don't hear something before when it comes to uh, Scripture and everything, I need to confirm it because, you know, why haven't I heard this before, and, and what does this mean? And it's this idea, this word. I've got the phonetic spelling on the side because I'm going to say this once, and then after that I'll be mispronouncing it. But the word for work is actually advada. And Advita is used 52 times and literally means work, worship, and service. And it applies, uh, it applies it to agricultural, business-type activities, and serving God both inside and outside the church. So the word for work can be used as worship and service. So you have this in Exodus, six days and you shall work. And the idea of, uh, that idea of, again, work and being that same word. Uh, later on, and there's lots of places, I'm just giving you some samples of it. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. Same word, labor, work, service. And then we also see in Exodus uh, that they may go, uh, this is when... Um, Moses was uh, talking to Pharaoh, getting his people to go, and uh, Moses said, let my people go that they may serve me, or serve God. This is what God says in this idea of service, same word as work. And we just see that, and we see that in Joshua 2, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it's interesting that work, service, worship are all tied together. To some degree, we're making ourselves no longer human when we don't work or worship. That's what we were designed for. Worship and work is a part of God's plan for us, and there will be work in the new heavens and earth. So sometimes we think, wow, I can't wait until I don't have to work anymore. I can't wait for heaven someday, and things will be great, and I won't have to work but that's not true. We were designed to work, serve, and worship, and we kind of pull them apart rather than see them as one entity that are to live a life of work, live a life of work, of worship, and service. It's to be who we are. You see, work and worship are not separate ideas, and we've made them separate ideas. So when I think of going to work, and you may say, well, Dave, you're a pastor, you work in a church, obviously it's a little bit more tied to worship, but I'll, I'll just be frank with you, I can be very busy doing church stuff, getting things done, checking things off my list, and worship isn't really in the forefront of my mind. Maybe it's serving others a little bit more, but sometimes I can go through a whole day and do a lot of church busy things that you might even say, well, that was nice that Dave did that, but I'm not thinking of worship. I'm not thinking of that. I'm not understanding that, getting that. We also see that your work is meant to be an act of worship. I've already said that, but when you think about work, it's an act 
of worship. And you and I, as we're working, as we're doing things, need to be, wait a minute, this is part of my worship. I'm actually pointing to God. I'm showing that he is worth something, worth something to me by the way I work. And the problem is, again, we talk about before the fall, after the fall, before Adam and Eve sinned, uh, work was a part of the deal. And then after the fall, uh, our work, our worship, our service is tainted by sin. Uh, you and I, uh, we, talk, we sung about this. You and I can say yes to Jesus. And uh, he died for us on the cross, rose again. And uh, we can have new life in him. We can be free. We can be alive. But there's still the ripple effect of sin in our own lives and the lives of those around us and in our world are still there. That's why we long for the day that Jesus will come back, and when he comes back, he'll set things in order, and ultimately at the end there will be a new heavens and a new earth with not even a ripple effect, a tainting of sin in that, and that will be heaven on earth and heaven in heaven. So we look forward to that, but at this point we're still dealing with this thing Sin, and that's the reason work often to us stinks. Uh, where your work can stink due to disobedience, and disobedience to God is this idea of sin. Um, sin, not living God's preferred will in our life. Uh, the major way cynically shows up in my life, probably not your life, is when I am selfish, when I'm thinking of myself and not those around, when I'm loving myself more than I love those around us. And we see this happen. And God said to the man, I command you not to eat from the tree, but you listened to your wife and ate from it. Uh, Some people go, oh, it's the wife's fault. Well, I think Adam was standing right next to her. And this is the first time we see a man shirking his responsibility and he keeps his mouth shut. He should have said, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to do this. Did not do that. And ever since... Uh, men have kind of shirked their spiritual responsibility, not always, not in all cases, but it's a little bit more work for us to lead, and we've talked about this weeks past, be a servant leader and set the tone, but it started back then. But you listened to your wife and you ate from it, so I will curse the ground because of you. You will have to work hard all your life for the food the ground produces. And I like the fact that uh, as you read this, it says, I will curse the ground. He's not cursing us, but the result of our sin is that things just don't happen. Work gets hard. And then when you add broken people at the same place working, it gets harder. So as you and I start to think, how can I start, it's not going to happen overnight, but how can I start to look at Mondays, and how can I start to look at embracing Mondays and thinking that I am made for Monday, is this, understand your alignment, and you will understand your assignment. Like that little rhyme, understand your alignment, and you will understand your assignment. So all of us who have said yes to Christ need to understand that how that aligns our life, how that impacts our life. You show more of your worship outside these four walls than you do inside these four walls. It doesn't matter how great you can sing. It doesn't matter what you do serving inside. It shows up outside, and it shows up outside in significant ways, ways that you may not uh, say that was significant, but you are pointing to Christ positively or negatively, outside these four walls. So 
When we understand our alignment, it affects how we understand our assignment. In all the work you are given, put your heart and soul into it. Work as though you are working for the Lord, not an earthly master. I tell you, that verse is hard. That is difficult. Because sometimes the people I've had to work with or work for come across to me as far from Jesus as you can get. I'm not saying this in a judgmental way. It just seems that way. So how do I do that? How do I change my alignment and understand my work outside the four walls of church is also worship, maybe even more worship, and it's a way for me to serve God. So I start to realize that me leaning in rather than leaning away is a way that I honor God and point to him. In another message we've talked, you know, it's not, this is not calling us to be doormats and all of that kind of thing. It's the idea of going the extra mile. Uh, Jesus talks about going the extra mile. We don't have time to turn there, but there's a situation where uh, Roman soldiers, if they came across you in Jesus' days, and, and you said, and they said, hey, I'm going to con- get you to carry my bags, they could make you carry the bags for a mile. And so the idea of going an extra mile is a, is a Jesus idea. So even today in our greater world, when someone says, did you go the extra mile, that, that's coming from what Jesus prescribed. They may not even know that, but Jesus calls us to go the extra mile pointing to him. And you can just imagine what would happen is a Roman soldier would come across you and kind of point to you. And they actually even had mile markers so that once you went a mile, you didn't have to take a step farther. So you'd go that mile, you could just drop your stuff off and you were done. But Jesus is saying, go the second mile. And you can imagine what kind of conversations would have happened. Roman soldier, uh, you, you know, you've, you've met your obligation. Didn't you see that was a mile? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go the extra mile. I want to serve you. So you imagine what the next mile, the conversation, what, why are you doing this? What's going on in your life? Why are you giving of yourself? Why are you going the extra mile? Well, it's because uh, I'm a Christ follower. Oh, really? And, and, and what would be, have been really amazing, and I've not heard of any studies, can you imagine if this happened all over the, the, the world, the, the Middle East in that area at that time? Roman soldiers would start to go, you know, if you get one of those Christians to pick up your stuff, they go the extra mile. It's unbelievable, and they don't have to do it. Why do they do that? There really must be something of this faith because they're actually doing this and nobody else wants to do this. So again, when you and I understand our alignment as a Christ follower, it helps us understand our um, assignment. Uh, just this a uh, couple weeks ago, and I can't remember, I shared this maybe with my, our small group that we meet with, and uh, that uh, I was at the doctor's appointment, and uh, just sitting there waiting for my thing to happen, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I heard this man come in, he had a walker, and he said, can someone help my wife? I, I, you know, it was almost like, I wish I had a video camera, not to pick on people, but you can imagine what happened. All the eyes went down. No one was, they were acting like this guy didn't exist. Even the staff behind the counter acted like he didn't exist. 
And I said, okay, hey, hey, I can help you. And he goes, yeah, my wife's in a wheelchair down that she can't get herself up here. I said, can you help? I go, yeah, absolutely. So I walked down the door. And again, this is Jesus on my heart. This isn't Dave Spencer. It's a little uncomfortable. She uh, wasn't dressed well. So more of her legs should be show- were showing. And, you know, she just, wa- it was just kind of like, okay. And I, you know, brought her in and, and uh, got her to the front desk, and then he had to go to the restroom, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, she didn't know where her husband was, and just on and on and on. And I'm just watching people do, do nothing to help this people, and I thought, man, you know, if, if I didn't have to be anywhere, I should just come to the doctor's office and just sit here all day, get a book, and just wait for people to come in, because I'm sure they're not the only ones, and just point to Jesus. There are tons of ways you and I can slow down and worship wherever we're at outside of these four walls and in a sense be serving Jesus uh, as we do that. Uh, going along with this is to change your attitude or to change your job. Now we're focusing on the specific job you have. Uh, either you have a chip on your shoulder or you don't. And granted, sometimes you're in a situation, and it is hard, it is difficult, but you've got to decide. You've got to decide, are you going to come with, uh, you know, looking for opportunities, even though it's hard or not? So you either change your attitude or look to change your job. And, and if you find that you don't change your job, then you kind of go, God must want me here. This isn't by accident. I, Lord, thanks a lot, but uh, I guess this is where I am for now. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. This is basically saying churches means in all the groups of Christ followers, this is the way you're to live. So when we think about this, yeah, we can be in some stinky places. All of us, if I shared the mic around, we could share some of the worst places we've worked at, and we've been trapped there. And we've tried to get out, but then we are not getting out, and we're just stuck there. Rather than, than, than holding on to that, why not change our attitude if we can't change our job? And going along with this is, this is always the question, well, what if somebody's asking me to do something that's sinful? Basically, don't do it. Be respectful, but don't do it. Um, I can remember a time where before Cindy and I got married, and I had this job, and I've shared with this before, and this uh, guy wanted me to do some things that really weren't good, and I had to say no to him, and I, I lost my job, and he, he was more upset that I would actually say to him that I was telling him how to run his business, and I said, I'm not telling you your business, I just can't do this. I can't bill my hours for one part of the company to this other part of the company who's being bought out by another company. I, I, if I'm working for them, I'll bill them the hours. If I'm working for you, I'll bill your hours. But I can't put my hours. And he just, he, he, oh, he, he was upset. But you don't do that. Um, principle that just overarches this is, uh, the apostles, Paul, Peter and the other apostles, replied. This is where um, the Pharisees were telling them to keep their mouths shut. We must obey God rather than human beings. And there's a way you can say this that will not necessarily please your employer, but you can at least say it in a respectful way rather than a disrespectful way. Also, sometimes bosses ask us to do silly things. And uh, if they ask us to do silly things... As much as possible, do them well. They're the boss. 
If they want you to sit in a room and watch uh, paint dry, then, then that's they're paying you to watch paint dry. If they want you to do something that uh, you share with them, uh, well, maybe there's another way to do this, but it's going to take longer to do this, and they want it, that's the, they've got, they, they can decide what you and I are to do. Again, when we think about slavery, we have a different context. In, in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, um, 60% of the world was in slavery. And when Rome would come in, especially and take over a place, uh, if there were teachers and doctors and every kind of carpenter, they would take those people and make them slaves in their society. So uh, this is why uh, Paul comes across this way. But the idea is to obey earthly masters and everything and do it and do it well, even if it seems a little silly or a lot silly. Now, we always have to remember, and we've heard this from the day we were young, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. We need to remember that. Sometimes you and I have uh, just let our attitude fester about the place we're working, and then all of a sudden we get out of that place, and we go to another place, and we find out that other place wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I had a friend who seemed to change over supervisory people, and uh, they would have one supervisory person, and they would be, this is horrible, and then they would bring in another person, and the next person was worse than the last one. So, you know, it doesn't always work that way. The grass isn't always greener. Uh, So everyone should continue to live faithful in the situation of life in which they were called to follow Jesus. Were you a slave when you heard the call to follow Jesus? Don't let that concern you. And again, that even sounds so foreign to us, but this is what Paul is saying. Even if you gain your freedom, make the most of the opportunity. So the idea, again, is to have use your opportunities well. And a part of that, as we all know this, is green growth involves water and fertilizer. Uh, sometimes the reason the place of employment or whatever in our life just doesn't seem to be happening or it really seems to bug us is because we're not watering it or fertilizing it. And once we water and fertilize it, we will see some greenery in our life from that. So if, we, if we're just setting it up to fail, it will fail. Uh, sometimes people are involved in something and they don't like what it is, so they have this attitude and it just doesn't go anywhere. It's not going to go anywhere. Other times, somebody said, ah, I got into that, and it wasn't great, but I gave it my all, and now it is starting to come along. So give it some fertilizer, give it some water. And again, we've kind of just said this, if you can find a better job, then take it. But the other side of that is if you can't find a better job, quit complaining. Very hard. And, uh, you know, we can all tell stories of jobs that were really uh, not that great, or we even felt a little oppressive, and, uh, but we're stuck in it. God doesn't seem to be opening any other doors. And it's interesting, you and I say we trust God in this area, in this area, in this area. Why wouldn't we say we trust God when it comes to our employment? Uh, what are we doing? God working through you doesn't depend on your job, but how you do your job. Let that settle in. Trying to worship, serve, work. That's what that word means in the Older Testament in Hebrew. God working through you doesn't depend on your job, but how you do your job. I love Philippians 2.14, the way uh, Eugene Peterson paraphrased, translates. He says, do everything readily and cheerfully. 
No bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. You may be in that place. You may be the only one in that place to be the only light, to be the only conduit. And so rather than letting your light just dim right down and just kind of surviving it, if you can figure out how to turn that light up and shine and point to Christ, it may be one of the only places some of your coworkers or your bosses get a breath of fresh air. And it's unbelievable when that happens. They may not admit it, they may not make it easy for you, but they definitely do see it. When people are a priority, your work is ministry. When people are a priority, work is ministry. So you go back to whatever your job is, how difficult it is, how unkind the people, how, how, how raw they may be, or how two-faced they may be. I don't know, whatever it is, when you go, the people are the priority, the customers, those you're working with, your work is ministry. So if you're looking for a ministry, you just need to make the people priority, and they be, this becomes your ministry. Again, work, service, worship, all tied together. Um, I, I love and don't love this story from Mark 3, 2. Just giving you the quick rundown of it. Uh, the self-righteous Pharisee Jews were watching Jesus closely. They were waiting for him to mess up, do something that was improper outside of the boundaries that they had manufactured for uh, religious life. And they were watching him on this Sabbath. This is their Saturday. This is their Sunday, if you will. And they were just waiting for Jesus to do something wrong. They couldn't wait for him to just, just blow through some principle, some law. And Jesus, Jesus knows this is about ha- to happen. And there's a man there that uh, is, uh, has a bad hand, bad arm. And, uh, you know, and this whole idea of not doing work, it's interesting, don't do work on the Sabbath, but if work is worship, what, what's going on there? And that, it's very interesting. But anyway, so Jesus looked around, and he heals the guy. These guys go nuts. Uh, Jesus looked at the people, and he was angry, but he felt very sad because they were so stubborn. He said to the man, hold out your hand. The man held out his hand, and it was healed. This idea of people being the priority. Even in our expressions of faith, we need to make sure that people are the priority. When they're not the priority, that light of faith dims quickly in others' views. One of the things we talk about here is we want to be a church family that if we disappeared, if this church closed down and no longer existed, that the community would actually miss us. That's the kind of place we want to, we want to shine Jesus' light in different ways, subtle ways, and, you know, even talking about trunk or treat. You know, that is a great way to point to Jesus. It says, this church cares about the kids in the community and is trying to offer an easy, safe place, and you never know 
what will happen in someone's life. When Jesus is your boss, your work is your worship. When Jesus is your boss, your work is your worship. Remember that you will receive your reward from the Lord, who will give you what he promised his people. Yes, you are serving Christ. He is your real master. And that is extremely hard for some of us to even put in our mouth rather than even digest it. Because you would say, you don't know who I work for or who I work with. But as you look at that environment, as you understand work being expression of worship and serving, and you start to digest and come to terms with Christ is your real master, all of a sudden you start to make your work, no matter what it is, into an act of worship. Now, when we've talked about these things in the past, uh, I've had this bottom line, and, and again, I just I bring this back bottom line because I think it's, it's such short and it's good to digest, is the question is this, who's the boss? There used to be a TV show, a sitcom. Some of us old-timers remember who's the boss, and there was this tension all the time. Who is the really boss? And we go back and forth and all this kind of thing. But in our own life, we have to continually ask ourselves, who is the boss? Who's the one who oversees our heart? Who's the one we're trying to please? Who's the one we're worshiping? Are we using our work to be worship in our service? Because all those ideas are tied together. Colossians 4.1 says, Masters, treat your servants considerably. Be fair with them. Don't forget for a moment that you too serve a master, God in heaven. So even for the person that is not the boss at work, if you are the boss at work, you too have a boss. So the way you lead, the way you oversee your company, you have to ask yourself, is Jesus my boss in the way I organize the work and everything that I, I do? I have a, a real dear friend who has taken this idea totally, totally seriously. Uh, they, they have the ability to have, um, they, you know, just communicate this, and uh, everyone in the company knows that God, this is God's company, not the owner's company, per se, even though his name is on the, the deed or whatever you call it uh, for the company. And uh, he doesn't do it in a in-your-face way, but they, they know it. They're even at a place where they are able to bring a chaplain in a few days a week, and the chaplain just mulls around the workplace because this owner says, I am not the boss. Jesus is the boss. So it doesn't matter whether you're the employer e or the employer. As a Christ follower, you come to terms with who is the boss. So that means you create a work environment that is both just and fair, uh, that doesn't always mean that it is equal. There are certain things that happen and uh, someone else performs, they get a raise or you choose to do things, but it's the idea that it is just and fair. And also you treat your subordinates as you want God to treat you. And if you just take that thought away, wow, that opens our eyes the way we treat others. We want God to be 
We, we don't want just like God to be fair with us. We want God to show us mercy and be kind to us. And do we want that? Then we want to pass that on to those who work for us. So again, who is the boss? Who's the boss? Now, when you start thinking about this, if you've never said yes to Christ, that's where the starting point is. That's the starting place. And if you haven't said yes to Christ, uh, you need to get to the place where you admit you've been out of step with God. And again, we call that sin. And you need to be connected to him through Christ. And you admit your sin. You realize that you need forgiveness. And then you believe. You put your trust. You trust Jesus Christ died for us, rose again, and accept his forgiveness of our sins. And then all in the same kind of thing, you choose to invite Christ into your life, to be connected to your life. And the person of the Holy Spirit joins your life, indwells your life as the one you are going to follow. And then you try, you move in the direction, you're not going to be perfect this, of living a life of loving God and loving others. And if the loving others doesn't show up, you need to question how well you love God. Because the way we demonstrate we love God is through loving others. Now, out in the entryways in a number of places, there's a little pamphlet called Knowing God Personally. If you want to take a couple extra steps with this and read through this, this walks it through. Obviously, I'd be willing to talk with you. And then there's two, uh, there's actually one book with two different covers. Uh, you can pick up a copy of this. It's an easy read. I think it's less than 70 pages. Uh, just a great tool in asking about relationship with God uh, so that you can really say, Jesus is my boss. I'm going to try to make him my boss and follow him. And then we'll find ourselves living in the way that he called us. And then we can actually be in a place where we can say, I was made for Monday. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your patience with us. And Father, as we think about this and we think about worship and we think about work and we think about serving and the fact that they're all intertwined, uh, for some of us, that's a little hard. It was eye-opening to me to realize when I'm working, I am worshiping. When I'm working, I am serving. I'm a pastor. Help us to digest this. Help us to to swallow it and figure out how this works out in our unique life. We're thankful that in Peter, we are told that you've given us everything we need for this spiritual life. So no one in this room is in a situation where it is impossible to show that you are the boss through their work, worship, and service. It may be very difficult, but it's not in possible. Thank you for the way Ryan mentioned community that can help us being a part of a smaller group where we interact. So help us with this, not just for our own well-being, but we see a world that needs peace, needs direction, but needs you. So help us to be that light, Eugene Peterson translates, that goes into a polluted society and not in a self-righteous way, but in a God-honoring way points to you. And again, if there's anyone here who's never said yes to you, we'd ask that this might be the moment of their salvation, their relationship with you. And uh, we just ask that that would be the beginning for them, and we thank you for that. So we ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.